0: Welcome to another episode of Bright Brains. Today we have my guest, Michelle Steiner. Welcome to the show, Michelle. And tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Isaac. Uh, my name is Michelle Steiner. I live in Pennsylvania with my husband, Ron, and our two casts, Jack and Sparrow. I am a disability writer. And I'm also a paraeducator in a school.
0: Awesome. All right then. And you you have a disability yourself, correct?
1: Yes, I do. I have a learning disability. I have dyscalculia or dyscalculia, depending on how you pronounce it. And I also have limited hand dexterity in both of my hands and visual perception that's in my brain, not in my eyes.
0: All right then. So let's talk about the first thing how'd you pronounce that again
1: uh dyscalculia or dyscalculia <clears throat> excuse me or dyscalculia
0: mm, so what is that
1: that is a math-based learning disability mm. i struggle when i'm in math to understand how numbers work i uh, i've always been it's all numbers have always been my biggest challenge i forget the steps and problems of, of how they work but it also goes beyond just being bad at math I also uh, confuse my, lo- my right from my left, and uh, it's hard for me with directional concepts such as north, east, south, and west, and I also uh, cannot read the face of a clock, so that can make doing math really difficult for me.
0: That's interesting. I've actually never heard of that disability before. How did you go about finding out that you had that disability, and how did it affect your life?
1: I was diagnosed whatever uh, with my disability when I was in kindergarten, but at the time, they knew I wasn't going to be a mathematician, but they didn't have a specific name for it at that time, uh, and I didn't find out that I had a limited hand dexterity until I was an adult. That's
0: interesting. So you share about your personal journey, how your disability affected your life, and how you took your experiences and you became a learning disability advocate. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse, intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through Thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's bright brains with a Z, pod, P O D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast. Sure. I,
1: um, uh, what, I was first diagnosed whenever I was a young child, and in school, it was really difficult for me uh, academically and socially as well. In school, it was hard when I came across anything math-related that was really difficult for me Uh, academically. I spent um, all my years in school when learning support math. But I was able to eventually get into regular ed uh, science, social studies, and uh, reading in English. That was a slow process. But with having the supports of having extended test time and having the test read aloud to me, and I can still remember just feeling really frustrated when I was younger. I thought that uh, learning was always going to be something that was going to be hard and that my life would just be perfect if I didn't have a disability. Uh, Socially, it also impacted me too when I was in school. Uh, The bullying started pretty early. I went to a small school district that didn't have a lot of diversity and I stood out because of having my disability and I was often the target of a lot of bullies. And when I was young, it was mainly okay, we're not inviting you to our birthday party, <clears throat> excuse me, or you're not, uh, I don't want to play with you on the playground. But as I became a teenager, the peer groups became more defined, and that was harder for me socially. Academically, it got a lot easier. Uh, it also was difficult when I was at college. I was taking some of the higher ed courses. Anything with math created a difficulty for me. I can also remember people not thinking that I could do that. That was a a big issue uh, for me. Transportation has also been an issue because I'm not able to drive with having that. And I live in a central location where I'm able to walk places. And I also, my husband's great for taking me around where I need to go as well. And I have some uh, g- great family and uh, friends and coworkers that are wonderful too. Uh,
0: so you said in school you like dealt with bullying mm-hmm. and also dealt with you know people believing that you couldn't do the work. How did you overcome those challenges?
1: One of the things that helped me with being bullied was I started to hang out with uh, students in a neighboring school district that were involved with an art program, and I was able to have that fresh start. I didn't have that reputation of being the, the outcast or the one that had the disability that followed me from kindergarten all the way up until 12th grade. And I had acceptance with them. And that encouraged me to reach out to other groups in the community. I found a wonderful writing group uh, with people that were just a few years older than I was. And we still have a writing group 20 some years later. And we've developed a lot of relationships with that. So that was really helpful for me. Um, That, yeah, the academics and just uh, being able... To, to be able to handle that with the bullying, that was definitely something that helped me. And people trying to limit me, that was something that I had to, uh, I had a great support system with my family. My parents always believed in me and they encouraged me, but I also had some great friends too, that really helped me out with that as well. I mean, they couldn't always fix the issue, but they could be my friend. So sometimes that was helpful. And I also had an encouraging person, though, when I was in high school, I had a student teacher who told me that I could go to college because I knew how to study. And sometimes that was the voice that I heard when things got really difficult when I was at college.
0: That's awesome. You know, as an adult, do you still deal with the stigma of having a disability?
1: In some ways, I still do deal with the stigma of that. A lot of times, if I tell people who don't know me that I have a learning disability, people will say, well, you don't look like you're disabled. And they're usually looking for the cane or the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also will have people that if I ask for an accommodation, people sometimes people will look at me and they'll think, well, what is wrong with you? You don't look like you're disabled. And a lot of times people will say, Well, what do you mean you can't do that? You can do anything you put your mind to. And there's just some things that are really hard that a lot of people don't understand. And some people that know me and my story and have been in my life for a while, I've had them say, well, you're too smart to have a disability. You must have overcome all of this. And the the truth is I haven't overcome it, but I have found ways to be able to work and live with it.
0: So having a disability and being a a paraeducator, has that made you better at your job because you're able to understand what disabled students go through?
1: Definitely. I think the empathy is definitely, is certainly there. I can remember uh, earlier this year, I had a student that was really frustrated and he was crying in class because he couldn't get the information and it was some information that was math related and I couldn't get to but what I could do is I got I was able to get down on my level with him and I told him that I I have a math disability and I know how hard it is and how frustrating it is and what I wanted him to do was to tell me whenever he is struggling with that and we will get somebody to help him and the kid didn't cry in class he was asking questions and whenever I ha- I was working with him and he was crying again, I said, "Let's." I hand him the tissues and I said, "Now let's not do that." I said, "Do I ever yell at you if you don't understand the information?" No, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was able to calm him down, and we got a chance to uh, be able to uh, be able to go through the the, the problems on the sheet, and mm-hmm. we're able to. And it wasn't math, so I could help him with that.
0: Mm-hmm. So what exactly uh, do you do as a learning disability advocate? How do you advocate for people? How do you advocate for people with learning disabilities?
1: A lot of what I do through advocacy is my writing and and speaking about having one. I have my own blog called Michelle's Mission, where I combine disability articles of my experience with a learning disability and my photography. And what a lot of times that I'll get people that will say, that's my experience, or that's something that I, that happened to me. And sometimes I'll have people that will tell me, I thought I was the only one that struggled with that. And that's one way that I get the chance to do that. I also show my students how to advocate for themselves. I also have students that will come in and say they, they hate having their disability. Or sometimes they might be too scared to ask for help. And I get that chance to walk them through how we ask for help And just not to be ashamed of having a disability and not to be fearful of asking for help.
0: On your blog, you mentioned something called the Learning Disability Salad. Could you uh, explain what that is and how these disabilities impact individuals?
1: One thing about uh, learning disabilities is it's not uh, just a, a salad that has a hunk of lettuce and tomatoes. But a lot of people think that that's what... Uh, a salad is, and they also think with learning disabilities, it's one type of a disability. Most people are familiar with uh, one of them, dyslexia, which is a reading disability, but there's other types of learning disabilities out there. And they're just like, just same as different varieties of salads, the same with disabilities. Uh, We have dysgraphia, we have um, dyscalculia or dyscalculia. There's also auditory processing disorders, and a lot of people just are, aren't aware of it, and we uh, just have this limited, under, a lot of times people have a limited understanding. And I always find that in that piece, I also talked about that everybody will experience it differently, even if they have the same diagnosis of a learning disability.
0: What changes can we make to our education system to better help people with disabilities?
1: I think some of the changes we can make is definitely having an individualized approach to disabilities. I think a lot of times uh, we want to try to give the same services that are out there. And some of those things that we're doing, they're not effective and they're just not working. But a lot of times we just push through because that's the only thing we know how to do. And I think there has to be that Uh, individualized program, uh, definitely with that, and then to look at it and say, well, if this isn't working, let's try this. And I think we also have to involve students and other people in uh, being the ones that can advocate for themselves and speak up for things that they'd like to see happen. I think that's a big part of it too. And I also think education is definitely important. I think a lot of people When they hear learning disability, uh, they they don't understand what it means. Some people think that the person can't learn or that the person can do anything. And I think just having uh, education helps a lot, too.
0: Has the education system gotten better since you were a child?
1: I think that uh, certain services have gotten better. Uh, For example, if a student has difficulty with uh, Things like handwriting or uh, fine motor skills or hand dexterity. Uh, More services are offered, such as occupational therapy. I think, though, I can remember when I was in school, we had a learning support classroom where I could go and have, where I could go with math. And a lot of times we're not seeing so many uh, specialized instruction rooms. And I think that can be really tough for a student that is in their area of struggle with being in a basic class. I th- that, I think, can be really hard. My heart goes out to them because they're struggling. And some even though there is a teacher in the room and we have paras and uh, pullout services, I just think that that is really difficult for a student as well.
0: Based on your experiences, how was it during the lockdown when kids couldn't go to school and they had to do schooling over Zoom? How was that experience for kids with learning disabilities?
1: It was really difficult with students that had learning disabilities. Uh, It was tough for families that may not have had internet access, but our school did pull together with uh, resources so we could ensure that students had a Chromebook, and they also had uh, internet access as well. But I think it was hard for students to get the amount of uh, support that they needed and to have the motivation to be able and accountability to do their work. I think that was hard for them. And the social skills were difficult as well. And sometimes even instruction was hard with students that had learning disabilities. I can remember I uh, when we did go back, we still had to meet virtually. So a lot of times I was reading tests out loud to students and supervising them as they did their work. And we definitely love to have that connection with our students. And I think it's that was really difficult for a lot of students to to be able to catch up uh, socially, but also academically as well.
0: How do uh, parents, teachers, and communities, how can they better support individuals who have these learning disabilities?
1: I think the first thing is to listen to the person because a lot of times people will say, um, when you have a disability, they'll try to put their own narrative in, into what that person is feeling or thinking. And I think it's really important to listen to th- the person who has one in the areas that they're struggling and how they can help. I think that's important. And I also think it's very important that uh, parents and caregivers uh, explain their disability to their child in simple age appropriate terms. I m- remember my mom and dad telling me when I was young that I had a learning disability and my brain, uh, I just learned differently. And I think that's really important that our students know what their disability is and ways that they can help themselves too. I think that's important and how to advocate and to, to teach advocacy skills to children.
0: What resources or organizations do you recommend for individuals and families seeking support for their youth with learning disabilities?
1: I recommend uh, Understood. That is an agency that gives out a lot of great information. Uh, The National Learning Disability Association also gives out a, a lot of resources. And there is also another place called uh, Nonverbal Learning Project, and they have a lot of resources, especially for people that might have uh, disabilities that are more uh, with visual perception and other things with hand dexterity.
0: So like I said, you're an advocate. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been involved with getting any kind of legislation or policy pushed through that's related to learning disabilities?
1: I have not been involved with that at this time.
0: <laughs> uh, is there anything that's like, if you could get involved with, like if you had the ear of like a congressman or a senator, any kind of like ideas or policies that you would like to see enacted?
1: One of the things that I would love to see that we definitely need is more funding so schools are able to provide these services in a more productive way and uh, make sure that we can have uh, the programs that that are out there. Another thing that I did write about is uh, the importance of having dyslexia screenings, because a lot, especially in prisons, because a lot of um, inmates we're finding do have a reading disability, and it's already harder for them with their criminal record once they get out but it's, it's even more difficult when you have a disability and you're not, you know, you're not able to know what, it, what it is or what to do with that.
0: So let's talk about your writing and your photography. So what kind of things do you write about?
1: I try to do a lot of nature uh, metaphors. That is definitely something that is present. And I try to um, compare things to uh, nature, sometimes uh some of my articles have been like a blooming flower like the process of accepting my learning disability. And I get to combine my love of nature photography with that as well. Uh, I'm not able to drive because of my disability. So sometimes I'm able to get uh, details that other people might miss. Uh, oftentimes I'll be in the car with my husband and I'll be like, did you see that? And he's like, no, I'm concentrating on the road. Now he is getting better about pointing out details because he <laughs> listens to these and uh, he, he gets to hear that a lot and I'll get that chance, though, to go back and uh, take a picture of a flower. And people have said that I bring out details in a flower that other people miss and I try to combine that on my website to be able to combine uh, my story about a flower or a butterfly and to be able to uh, relate that with, with the article that I'm writing. And I have an online store where people can also purchase my artwork in a disability form as well.
0: So you said you are married. Is your spouse disabled as well?
1: My spouse is not disabled.
0: Not disabled. So how was it when you first met your spouse-to-be and you told him that you were disabled? How did you guys, like, how was it opening up to your future spouse about this? Sure.
1: He was the first person that I told him on our first date that I had a learning disability. And he said, how does that make you feel? And he was the first person that I was ever with that ever asked me that question. And Mm -hmm. it's been a learning curve for us. Uh, with with having a disability, with me having one. But we've been able to work out a lot of things and and be able to work together.
0: What advice do you have for individuals with learning disabilities who are currently in school and uh, who may be listening to this podcast or reading some of your writing? What kind of advice would you have for them?
1: The, The advice that I would give students that are in a school is that not to give up and that uh, they're definitely not alone, that there's a lot of people that, that, that have learning disabilities. It's estimated that one in five uh, individuals have one. And I would also encourage them to uh, find out the things that they are good at and know what they want to do and find a way to be able to do it. And most importantly, uh, success sometimes comes in a different package. And sometimes it comes in one that's even better than you expected.
0: In your years as a disability learning advocate, what are some things that you have learned?
1: I think some of the things that I have learned is uh, that things do get better. Because I remember being really young and uh, thinking of my life and thinking that it was always going to be difficult and that I wasn't going to be able to achieve something because of my disability. And I have found out that things really do get better. And just because you are, you hit a rough patch, doesn't mean that it, the the road won't get easier as um, you, you go on.
0: So when you were in college, you know, you mentioned in high school and school, you mm-hmm. they had made uh, certain exceptions for you to help you like, you know, extra test time and things like mm-hmm. that. Did you have any, Uh, things like that in college?
1: Yes, I had extended test time in tutoring and I had a note taker. I didn't use those services initially when I started community college because there was a stigma that surrounded them. A lot of people uh, thought that we were getting the answer or it was cheating or giving an unfair advantage. And when I didn't use them, my grades really dropped. But when I went back to university, I decided this is the time where I'm going to use the accommodations that I need. And when I did that, my grades improved. I made Dean's List for a semester and it was a lot easier. And there was still that stigma that surrounded it, but I was also older and I knew that I had to just ignore those voices and do what I needed to do to be successful.
0: What is it that you like about photography?
1: What I like about photography is just sharing all those uh, beautiful moments with other people. Uh, My husband and I love to travel, and we just love to be able to share that with our family and our friends.
0: That's awesome. All right, then. So I guess the final question is, if if you want people to take away one thing from you and your writing about disabilities, what would it be?
1: I would love for people to know that um, we're all more alike than we are different and that people with disabilities, they have things that they're, uh, that they struggle with, but they also have things that they can excel at as well.
0: Awesome. So where can people find you online?
1: You can find me at my blog, michellesmission.net, and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Michelle. I really appreciate this. It was really informative.
1: You have a nice day. Thank you. You
0: too. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration. Feel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. And leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.